podcast. I am with dementia care practitioner Lori Horseman, and my name is Charlie McMahon. We are glad you're listening. We have started this ministry called Mind Hope, and it's going to, uh, we have a long-term plan with this. One is beginning with these podcasts and then moving into, Lori, we're moving into creating systems of interconnection, systems of of mutual support. And today's subject matter, we're going to talk about the power of relationship, both in preventing dementia Mm -hmm. and assisting the dementia caregiver. Before I get into some numbers on this, because I told you that this is overlapping with a teaching I'm doing this week on this subject matter, which scares me to death because by nature, I'm someone who would be very results focused and not relational focused. Um, Relationship is something you do as a transaction. (laughs) And we're going to get into that a little bit, but setting the table on this, when you, we, last session, we talked about Jane and she's dealing with her caring for her dad. And that's not her real name. Uh, caring for her dad, and there's there's potential toxicity that we talked about. Take captive your thoughts, but let's talk today about the the necessity of Jane to have relationship outside of that. Mm-hmm. From your standpoint, setting the table on this, why? Okay, so we're not meant to be isolated creatures, and when you're in on the journey of dementia, dementia itself is very isolating for the individual who has dementia. But we often forget about the caregiver taking care of that person because there's no handbook on what to expect now that your dad has dementia. There just isn't because everybody's journey is different. And as caregivers, we ended up diving into that hole with that person who has dementia and we end up isolating ourselves there. The stress, the guilt, the frustration, the animosity, the resentment. Mm. And then I know from my personal thing, I was a late in life child for my parents. I was going through this and all my friends were like hanging out with their parents and going and having coffee and the resentment that I felt like you can still have a normal life and I can't was isolating and it was crippling. And the anger that came with that, no, it's not their fault and it's not, but at the same time it was like I isolated myself. And then you think, well, okay, I'll find some help. But then you, you, you don't, you don't even know what to ask for that you need help for. So we don't ask for help. And then we just take it like this martyr, like, well, I'll just do it myself. And then all of a sudden you're, you're locked into this hole, if you will, with this person who's on this dementia journey with you. They're not validating you because mm-hmm. they can't. You're dumping out all of your bucket on them, and there's nobody pouring back into your bucket, which is where that connection comes from with other people. And it's not that the other person that you're socializing with to make that relationship has to know anything about dementia. It's just a relationship how you can pour into somebody yeah, else's exactly. bucket. Sometimes it's just a, hey, you're doing great, and bringing over a meal. Okay. Well, let's let's get into that, because I know for me, uh, I've been a part of the same small group for about 20 years that I wouldn't have chosen. They wouldn't have chosen. They're all, all, all the people in this group are loners by mm-hmm. nature. And yet, every Thursday, get your keys in your ignition. We always say that. Your keys are one of your biggest tools. Get your keys in your ignition. Now we just do it through Zoom. Flip open your laptop. Well, this is, this is for me, it's really instructive because uh, being a pastor has brought me into the realm of relationship that I never would have on my own. It's, it's been an unintended benefit. In 1938, Harvard Medical School started a longitudinal study. They were going to study 
a group of men for decades. And uh, because it was limited to a focused group of a, a few dozen Harvard men, which does not represent says, the broad <laughs> uh, uh, populace, and included JFK, included oh goodness, Ben Bradley, please. who would be the editor of the Washington Post, they included then for this it was called the Gluck study that it also included 456 disadvantaged youths from Boston, tracked for 80 years. Hmm. Fewer than 60 of them are still alive. The results of that were turned into some best-selling books, but the thing that people may recognize is Professor Wa Robert Waldinger popularized this study with a viral TED Talk a few years ago, What Makes a Good Life? It's been viewed over 40 times. And they talk about the difference between happy, well people and sad, sick people. Seven indicators of predictors of happy, well. Number one, smoking. If you are smoking, stop. It's the, you know, that's number one. Secondly, drinking. If you abuse alcohol, stop it. It is, it is contributing to a major long-term sad sickness. Number three, healthy body weight. Avoid obesity. Eat in moderate, healthy ways. No yo-yo dieting, crazy restrictions. Just eat moderately. Number four, exercise. Stay physically active. Walk every day. Just walk every day. Mm -hmm. Number five, adaptive coping style. This means you confront problems directly without excessive rumination, unhealthy emotional reaction, or avoidance behavior. And I can see like your brain's going on. Yep, that's mm -hmm. good for your brain. That's good for your brain. That's good mm -hmm. for your brain. Number six, education. Keep reading. Keep reading. Keep reading. And then number seven, stable long-term relationships. Have people with whom you grow together, you can count on no matter what comes your way. And Valiant said, of the seven, the single most important trait of happy, well people is relationship. Yep. He says, in simplicity, happiness is love. Mm -hmm. Full stop. There are two pillars of happiness. One is love. The other is finding a way of coping with life that does not push love away. And so you're talking, we're talking about a context here. We've got these people we've loved that are now, that are, that are digressing, they're losing their mind. All kinds of emotions are emerging from that. Bitterness from my youth, grief over what I'm losing because there wasn't bitterness. But then also, I'm spending so much time taking care of my dad. Yep. I don't have time for relationship. And... In essence, this is why we started Mind Hope. This is why, right here, yeah. that we didn't start Mind Hope, but just because we think that we're going to, you know, prevent all dementias, although we think these I'd things will help. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> the main thing is it's different from Cancer Hope. Is this is the support, it's about the, the supporters, the caregivers, and this is huge. Narina Hertz wrote a book about loneliness, and she said isolation is the equivalent of smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Mm -hmm. It is strongly associated with cognitive decline and dementia. Yes. So speak into this. What can that person do today, especially including this emerging movement we're trying to create of a support system of Mind Hope? What can someone do today to begin intercepting that digression into isolation? First of all, you have to see that you're doing it. 
we have a tendency not to. When eat. did you see you were doing oh my it? Like, goodness. how I long was... were you into caring <laughs> for your dad before you realized, oh my gosh, this well, is. Well, I had my mom and my dad because they died 11 weeks apart. So mom was dying of complications of breast cancer, and dad um, was Louis Bodies. And I didn't even know he was dying from it because I didn't understand how does it actually kill you. So I was wrapped up in that, and my twins at the time were seven, and I was teaching full time at my university. So I was so busy, I didn't even realize I was like, eyeballs deep in isolation at that point because I was like no I've got this and I've got this and I'm doing no sweetie I hadn't seen my friends in weeks I didn't have time to return a phone call they were like hey are you going to this and mm. I was like are you nuts I can't even leave the house so I didn't even realize it until Eric wanted to take me on a vacation and I had to literally put together a team of almost 18 people to step in and do what I was doing so I could leave for five days and that's when I realized wow I, I looked up and it was already six months later and I'm like, how did I get to this point? Um, so I didn't know who to ask for. I didn't know to ask for help. And the one thing that COVID truly taught us is that isolation will kill you faster than any disease. Yeah, talk about that a little bit. What what has uh, we what, noticed, what has been discovered regarding that now? We noticed that now? Um, some interesting phenomenon that happened with caregivers that were isolated off, if you will, with the person they were caring for. Not just dementia, but any disease, any you know crippling disease. And when that caregiver gets isolated off, and even moms, moms can relate to this, new moms, you lose something about yourself when you just isolate off with the, that child or that baby. It's like the whole world is going on without you. You're not able to either work your job where you are, but you're not doing it the way you used to. You can't really do the family functions that we do because now your whole world is about that person. Yeah, it's not a mutual relationship oh. in the sense that they... No. A caregiver is like, you, you feel like all of a sudden there's this parasite that's feeding off of you. Mm -hmm. And essentially that's what it is. But in for a mom, though, you kind of agreed to do this. But for a caregiver, it's like, oh, boom, here, your dad's doing this. Now it's you. And you didn't see this coming. So it's like as a caregiver, what we noticed is that it almost looked as though the dementia was contagious because the caregiver was acting with this forgetfulness and this forgetting of words and forgetting to do things. Mm. And there was this phenomenon that was happening, and we noticed it in Europe where they were really, the caregiver isolated off of the person who had dementia. They weren't leaving. They weren't, because we were afraid. We were all afraid to be around each other. So they needed help. They needed social structure, but they couldn't get it. So what ended up happening, it was a weird phenomena, a lot of these caregivers ended up coming down with a form of, coming down if you will, a form of dementia. And a lot of them now were dying faster with their version of dementia than the person they were caring for. We see this in husband and wives a lot too because you isolate off, you internalize your stress, and spouses don't usually have a tendency to ask for help because you took a vow and you figured that's what this means. No, that's not what this meant. Mm, good you point. You need to link up with other people on this exact same journey. You need to get on that train together with each other. If you think you can do this on your own, you can't. Mm. You won't. You won't come out of it unscathed. Mm-hmm. We're, we're talking about give a vision for what we're talking about developing, and that is uh, one of the things that Arthur C. Brooks talks about in Strength of Strength is the aspen tree, the aspen grove. You have to develop your aspen grove to make the transition in life from what he calls fluid intelligence, which is basically just being really smart, to crystallized intelligence, which is wisdom and the ability to integrate life's experiences to teach. And he says that the, the critical turning point is when people start developing their aspen grove. Well, aspen trees, their roots go very shallow, but their roots interconnect. So an aspen grove is actually not one tree, one tree, one tree. It's actually one organism. 
Mm-hmm. All those trees are part of an organism. They are an expression of an organism, which is a beautiful metaphor for systems, yeah, you know, and caregivers is that, and I think that, that qualifies for me as we talk about developing this ministry, I want to develop this Aspen Grove, these Aspen Groves of caregiving units. So would you give a vision off that metaphor for what you see us doing with Mind Hope and even underground, to extend the metaphor, we're creating some root systems underground in February, we're going to launch the Brain Boot Camp. Mm-hmm. I think it's in April or May we're going to launch the actual support systems, right? The actual yeah. system. But we're talking now, we're in talks right now about just doing some beta testing underground via Zoom, creating some basically small groups. Mm-hmm. Explain that because I know there's got to be someone here today go, I know, but I just don't I don't, I don't know who to turn to, which we want to be your turn to, mm-hmm. right? We want to be your turn to. What's your vision there? So how I see this going is that it's an isolating disease for everybody. It isolates the caregiver, and the caregiver truly feels isolated and like you're on an island. And you can put yourself there or slow down and breathe and look around you and realize you're not alone. There are other people that are on this journey, have been on this journey, that are in different phases of this journey. And when you link up, and if you think about like that network of those, those roots that are holding each other up, that's what you need. It's not unlike a new mom's group. you, you got to hook up mm-hmm. with those people because their wisdom, if you will, will help get you through this next phase of your journey. And if somebody's already been on that and they can share that with you and help that with you, it helps both of you. It helps the person who's been on it to realize, like, this is why I did this. Now is to come back and help you. It helps the person who's on it to realize, like, I can survive this. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. So you need that with each other because as a caregiver, it's like taking a journey on a full-speed train in the dark. You, you don't know where you're going. You don't know when it's going to turn. It's like being on one of those roller coasters in the dark. When are we going to go dip? When are we going to laugh? Yeah, go, yeah, that's yeah. what it feels like. And if somebody's been on that before you, gosh, the wisdom that they can give you, that relationship that develops. And it's not that you're, um, it's not even so much that you're talking to them every day. You don't. We put these together. I would love to see this being something that we do weekly, if not minimum monthly, where you, you plug in, listen if you need to, chime in if you have a question, ask and take everything you want. Mm-hmm. You know, take, leave what you don't, take what you need, and ask for, even if it says this is a stupid question, but how do I? Mm-hmm. Because I do webinars for my own company, and some of the questions I get afterwards had really nothing to do with that, but something that I said over here sparked over this. There you like, go. Oh, That's right. That's I, right. Can you help me with this? I'm like, yes, mm-hmm. I can. Mm -hmm. And it's like, you might be afraid to ask. You might think this is a dumb question. You might be like, well, what do I tell the doctor? How do I get this? Who advocates for me? I can help you with that. And it's one of those things because I've been there. But then you can also, whoever's listening, can help somebody else. Exactly. Because we're all on this, you know, and everybody's got different aspects of that, what you call crystallized intelligence, where you're like, oh, yeah, let me tell you a trick that I used with my father that helped, that might be able to help you get him into the shower, believe it or not. It's the, it's the craziest, most ridiculous things you need help Practical with. Practical things, though, right? Practical advice. And you're not alone. You're not crazy. Well, we talk a lot, you know, as you know, you've been a Southbrooker forever. We've talked a lot down through the years of we don't want to be a bunch of marbles that bang into each other every once in a while and go our separate ways. We want to be grapes that the pressure of life and this wine press called life, it, it makes the wine mm-hmm. flow. It gets better over time. And I, I, one of the things that I would like to tell the listener right now is, is if you're listening, an action step today would be go to hello at southbrook.org 
and tell us that you listen to the Mind Hope podcast and you would be interested in being a part of that initial beta group. Would that be? I think it'd be great. Okay, and just because we want to know, we have some people in mind that have already expressed, yeah, I want to be a part of this. Um, and I'd say, let me know if you're a caregiver. Okay, good. I, I was going to say, what what specifically do we yeah. need to know from them? What what helps you in preparing? What would for help this? me to prepare for this is: Are you a current caregiver? Um, where do you feel like this point you are in this journey, mid, late, early stage, or are you ha- a past caregiver who, I always say, you're senior graduated, mm-hmm. and um, could you because you could help too? Yeah. Back up for just we have a moment. We have a minute or two. Uh, let's go off the caregiver. So there's that. Hello at Southbrook. And your code there is I listened to the Mind Hope podcast where Charlie and Lori talked about support systems and I want to be involved. I'm a caregiver or what. The other thing, too, is preventatively, mm-hmm. when I went through that list of seven, you, I know your brain's popping on. <laughs> oh my gosh, that prevents, that prevents, yep. that prevents, you know. Um, today, what what uh, of, of those seven, besides support, we've said, be proactive. I know for me, I'm just thankful for this call to Christian community because I would have been a loner. I, I would have been a loner. And besides support, which one would you say, hey, of those seven, you know, smoking, drinking, taking care of your body, um, reading, which one would you say, hey, today, start mm-hmm. this? So you know how I feel about this and what it does. The, we found out that reading out loud every day for 10 minutes okay. is absolutely therapeutic and amazing what it does to your brain. Um, and then the other part, kind of taking off of that, was those math equations. But if you want to really develop your brain, sharpen your skills, it's that reading every day. It, it, mm. I don't even care if you're reading the cereal box out loud. Yeah, that's good. The effect that it has on your brain yeah. is amazing. And if you are in the midst of you know, working with somebody, just take the moment to read out loud to them because it actually works. But, and then the other part of that is like a leadership skill. Yeah. Because here's something that happened last week that we found on our team is that um, this this woman was creating and, and leading by example in her her in her in her one of our memory cares, and she didn't even realize the effect she had on a very young um, caregiver that was learning to be a CNA, and it, it it made a huge impact. And here we are two years later, and she's applying for a job as a memory care director. And I'm like, what was your impact? She goes, I wanted to be her. Oh, wow. Her, oh, that's cool. Her wisdom, her, her light, her energy. And I didn't know what I wanted to do until I saw that. So be mindful mm-hmm. that when you're socializing with people, you're planting seeds. Yeah. Somebody wants that's to so be good. you. So you are developing you know, a relationship. You just didn't know you did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it's like so good. you influence somebody someplace. So don't think that all of this that you're going through is for nothing. Not somebody's watching mm. you. You're always on. You're always on parade, wasn't it? I can't remember which general said that, but I think you're always on parade. You're always, you know, creating relationship, and it might not be a relationship that you maintain on your men's group every Thursday, but there's something that you did to somebody and left an impact on. Is it one you'd be proud of? Because you've done something somewhere. So when you're socializing, even if you're just out and about, you know, and like we talked about those grapes getting pressed down, everybody you meet leaves something on you and you left something on them. Mm -hmm. And even though you might be in this caregiver struggle and journey right now, there's going to be somebody that's watching you that comes along behind you and says, I need your wisdom. I need what you did. Can you help me? And that's a relationship, too, even if it's just temporary. 
when in Romans 14, Paul says, none of us lives to himself alone nor dies to himself alone. We're more aspen trees than we realize. Aren't you really we? are. We're more connected than we realize. You held somebody up five steps away from you that you mm -hmm. didn't even know you held up, mm -hmm. just like yeah. in this case of this young girl. Because when she was interviewing and she told me who her mentor is, I'm like, oh my goodness, this person is like a rock. I told that person and she started crying. She oh, goes, are you cool. kidding me? Wow. And I, like, she I had was, no idea. She said, I was horrible. Then I'm like, yeah. no, you weren't. Yeah. That's so you cool. You really weren't. Well, thank you, Lori, as always. And I'm, you know, your crystallized intelligence <laughs> uh, is really going to impact so many people because, as we know, this is a major tsunami that is upon us now and is coming upon us. And like a lot of things at our church, we're trying to be out ahead a little bit on some of this. And uh, I'm excited about Mind Hope just from the standpoint of those grapes, the, the grape vines and the wine presses that are going to happen as a result of this, the aspen groves that are going to develop. And oh, by the way, I started doing reading out loud. I've never done that. And it is wonderful. It I think I retain better. You do. Yeah, I think I retain better. So sometimes I know it's got to sound weird that, that I'm reading out loud in my office, but uh, I, I, think I, I think I actually retain it better. I definitely, I read slower. Mm -hmm. You know, that when you're I reading that. too comprehended. Exactly. Like exactly. Right. So on behalf of Lori, I'm Charlie. Until next time on Mind Hope Podcast, have a great day and make sure today you invest in relationships and read out loud. 